morning, Journey Church. I hope everybody's having a good morning. Yeah. Let's give it up for our worship team. And it, it's a wonderful blessing to get to sing truth. God is never failing. We welcome those of you that are joining us online today. My name is John Pierce. I'm the pastor of Recovery Ministries here at Journey Church. I have the privilege of doing that. Before I bring a word today, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today and the opportunity to, to join here together. And uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak through me, help me get out of the way, and uh, you allow the truth come forth that you would have us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. For those of you that were blessed to be here last week, we had Micah from Vapor Ministries that was here. And uh, he had a, a message that he brought to us um, that was called Dying for Purpose. And he was uh, talking through that dying to self and had a wonderful testimony of him having to go through a, a process of near, literally a near-death experience to get to that point of surrender to find his purpose for Vapor which is a wonderful ministry that takes the gospel over to Africa, uh, one of those ministries that Journey Church supports. So um, what he ended us with was live a life that outlives this life, and he left us with this verse that says, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. He focused a lot on the dying portion and not so much on the purpose, but the purpose was for uh, the glory of God. So when Pastor Mike had asked me to, to speak this week, what God laid on my heart was, let's stick with this theme, but how about we turn this around and let's pull the thread the other direction and let's kind of focus more on the, the purpose. And so in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus speaking, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so there's that dying to self portion again, the purpose being to follow Jesus. And as you remember, after the resurrection, after Christ was uh, hanging out with his disciples for a time, he ascended into heaven. And so is that my purpose, is to follow him? It leads me to this question of why are we still here? Why not when we get saved, we just immediately get beamed up to heaven to be in his presence? There must be some purpose for this, and, and I think scripture is very clear that there is a purpose. You are part of a spiritual war that's going on all around us. Fanny Hurst was a well-known author in the first half of the 20th century, in uh, November of 1941, she was speaking at a freedom rally in Cleveland, Ohio, and she famously was quoted that you may not be interested in war, but war is interested in you. Now, America was very isolationist mentality at that time and didn't really want to hear about it. We were doing everything we could to stay out of World War II. So for those history buffs in the room... Two weeks later was December 7th, 1941, which is a day that is pretty infamous to the United States. We were caught by surprise, despite all the intel there, that there was an attack coming. And a lot of times Christians kind of go through this same mentality that I'm just here to have a good life. But in reality, there is a war going on around you that God expects you to be a part of. Scripture is actually pretty clear in this. It says we are human but we don't wage war as humans do. It's pretty clear there. It says we're waging war. 
whether you realize that or not, you are in this fight. Ephesians 6.12 talks that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, that this is a spiritual fight. It's not a physical fight. So we sang this morning as part of that spiritual fight. Giving praise to God is part of that fighting back in this war. It's our faith. It's our prayers. It's our praises. It's being a witness and speaking the word of God. Paul talked in Ephesians, that armor of God, that sword. Swords are for fighting. And that's really what you need to get your your mind wrapped around as we kind of go forward. So if we're in a war, who are we fighting? And again, Scripture is very good about giving us, and I'm going to kind of be slanted towards a military take on things today. We've been given intel. We know who our, our enemy is in this fight. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if you've ever been to the zoo and you, know, you watch the lion kind of pacing around in its cage, oh, that's kind of cute. That ain't the lion that we're talking about. He's called a roaring. This guy's fired up. It says he's looking to devour. That's not just kill. That's like rip to shred. That's like utterly destroy. This is a serious, serious fight that we are in. In the military, I spent first half of my life um, serving in the U.S. Air Force, The services have like a big picture mission statement that they have, like the Air Force was fly, fight, and win. Kind of a bumper sticker you could kind of go with. The Army was to win our nation's wars. And those big kind of bumper stickers kind of guided as you kind of came along. And we see that we have big picture mission statements in God's word. In John 10.10, Jesus told us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's like a big picture mission statement. So Satan, if they have motivational posters on the wall in hell, it would say, steal, kill, and destroy. I like to call this team death. Christ said, I like to call this team life. I came that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. So we've been given what our big picture bumper sticker mission statements are. And then within that, we've also, you've been given a mission. Oftentimes, when I'm counseling or mentoring folks, they come to me and they'll tell me, I really want to know what God's will for my life is. And I'll kind of pause and start with, well, first of all, let's make sure your your heart's in the right place here. I'm not going to go into a grammar lesson, but the object of that question you just asked me was you. It says, what's God's will for my life? This is about me. Um, Really, the way you should be looking at that is, what is God's will where he intends for me to join with him? And I need to have that right heart um, when I'm approaching this subject. The second thing I'll ask is, have you prayed about it? And often I'll hear, "What? yeah, I prayed for it once. I'm just waiting on an answer. I'm like, okay. Hebrews 11.6 tells me that God will reward those who earnestly seek him. Have you been earnestly seeking him? And I go, what does earnestly mean? And I'm like, well, it's like this. Uh, Remember when you were a teenager or a young adult and you found that that first boyfriend, girlfriend? This was the one. You were inseparable. You'd go on a date, and five minutes after you dropped him off, you'd get a phone call, and it's like, 
I just wanted to call to say I miss you. You're on the phone from 9 o'clock at night till 3 o'clock in the morning. Your parents didn't know about it, but you're both laying there half asleep. And finally one of you, are you still there? And it's like, yeah, I was staying on the line. I just wanted to hear you breathe. I think you all know what I'm kind of talking about here. That, that is earnestly seeking a relationship. And that's what God desires of us. I'm like, have you done that? Is that what you're, and that's what God is looking for. The third thing we'll get to is, have you obeyed the things he's already been telling you to do? He's not going to give you a new responsibility if you can't be responsible in the things he's already told you. I'm like, well, like what? I'm like, well, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says it verbatim in there. So are you a thankful person? Do you give thanks in all circumstances? Well, at least most. We all have bad days and we're not perfect yet. But, Or are you negative all the time about anything and everything. I don't think maybe your heart is in the right place yet for God to be able to use you the way that he would like to. Another pretty obvious God's will comes out of Matthew 28. We call this the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the military, when we're going to go do an operation, they have these things called mission-type orders. And now every military guy in the room is going like this because they thought they were getting away from all that stuff. So what it is is the senior commander addresses an order to his subordinates, and he lays out very clearly what the commander's intent is, what he's trying to accomplish, and then he will lay out the tasks that are going to be associated with that mission. And so in this verse, we are given pretty clear mission-type orders. It said, Jesus said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. This is the commander-in-chief. This is the boss. This is the commander of God's armies. Jesus used a lot of military language, too. He talked about having legions of angels at his disposal. That was a Roman uh, unit size of about five to 6,000. And so he gives us these mission-type orders of, to us that we are to go make disciples. That's the commander's intent. And then the tasks that he lays out here are to baptize and to teach them to obey. In other scripture, I guess I missed the slide. I'm sorry. So we continue. 2 Corinthians 5.18 continues this theme here where it says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So we have a mission task that's delineated to us that we're here to help reconcile people back to God. The first two verses kind of talk not only to an individual kind of task that we've been assigned, it says to us, but it's also kind of a collective uh, body of Christ tasking that he's been given us. This verse in Acts 1.8, as Christ was leaving, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this kind of speaks more to our corporate body of Christ kind of responsibility that we have. 
in that it's saying to the ends of the earth. I don't know if it's physically possible or God's expectation that each one of us individually goes to the ends of the earth, but we collectively are called to be a witness. And so the question comes down to, why does God want to use us as witnesses? What is the purpose behind this? And so I'm going to read a, a little bit from uh, Acts chapter 10. Um, and bear with me, and I'll kind of get to it at the end, what we're looking at here. It says, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. So I'll paraphrase the rest of chapter 10. At the same time, Peter's having visions of these unclean animals that he's told to kill and eat. It's basically telling him that all those dietary laws that have been in place don't really apply anymore, and it's okay for him to go to a non-Jewish household. Um, like previously, that had been against the law. So he and some of his followers um, went to see Cornelius. They were witnesses of what Jesus had done and hit the requirement to have faith in him for salvation. So Cornelius and all his family were saved. They were baptized and had the Holy Spirit to come on them. And we see the church now expanding from just Jews to out to each and every one. And so many of you have probably read that section before, but have you really kind of just paused and reflected on what it's saying? It says an angel that was in the direct presence of God the Father was told to go down. He said, go down and talk to that dude, Cornelius. Dude being Greek for a fine gentleman. Um, go talk to him. So he does, Cornelius freaks out in terror. Here's an angelic being that's standing there talking to him. I'm pretty sure Cornelius would have done whatever that angel said. Jump out the window. Go stand on your head. He was in terror. God doesn't want compliant followers that are following him out of fear. That angel knew who Jesus was. He could speak to who Jesus was, but he had never experienced the saving grace that only a sinful human being could. And so God went through that whole rigmarole of having an angel go down there to tell him to send somebody to get Peter and have Peter come back and be a witness to who Jesus was and what he does. And that's been our responsibility. God expects us to be his witnesses. That's the task that we've been assigned. So in the whole military jargon, each senior subsequent command level underneath the commander-in-chief, they do the same thing with mission-type orders. So from our tasking from God, this is Journey Church's purpose for being. Journey exists to reach people who are disconnected from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Military jargon, we say that nests in the tasking you had above you. That fits right in with the Great Commission. That's what this church is all about. And just to kind of show you what this looks like in practice, uh, one of my privileges as being on staff is we have a dream team um, meeting on Sunday nights. 
where we get together on Zoom and the team leaders for the parking team, the greeter team, the connections team, the production team all come together and we talk about what went well that day and also things that maybe didn't we could approve upon because we're always trying to show excellence for the Lord. And inevitably during those meetings on a recurring basis, the stories will come back like one of a specific gentleman who was really kind of resistant to coming back to church, but he got to the parking lot and somebody in the parking lot team had met him and just waved and smiled and he kind of felt welcome. And the point of the story is to say that none of these volunteer positions we have around Journey are viewed as less than any other. That person in the parking lot is just as important as the person that's standing up here on the stage giving the message. But he'll talk, he cut to the door, and the people met him, and they smiled and made him feel welcomed, and then they found out he was a first-time visitor, and they escorted him to the cafe, and he got a cup of coffee and a donut. And this trend of just love on people's faces and the joy that they were showing. And he came to the worship center, and the ushers found out he was looking for somebody, and so they helped him find that person. And he sat down, and the Holy Spirit was convicting him. And at the end of service, he raised his hands for salvation. And then he goes on, amen, you can clap to that. I'm on the prayer team, so I get to see the end result of all this stuff, which is kind of cool. Came to the prayer room, you know, we went through assurance of salvation, talked about baptism, put a Bible in his hand, showed him what next steps were, hand him off to the connections team, and got him plugged into a life group. Now, scripture talks about when one soul comes to repentance, there's rejoicing in heaven. All of heaven rejoices. I don't know. I can't show you in scripture. My personal opinion is I think when the body of Christ has come together to have a seamless work on that on one person, I think that party in heaven is probably even rowdier because they're going, these people get it. And so uh, when I'm listening to these stories, um, I talk about there's a, if anybody's seen Despicable Me, there's a little cartoon character named Agnes, she's about this tall. She's like a three or four-year-old. It's just a joyous bundle of energy. And little Miss Agnes has, a, has issues with unicorns. When she sees one, she just loses all control. And she's like doing this going, it's so fluffy, I think I'm going to die. And so when I hear those stories, I get this buzzy, fluffy, fuzzy feeling in my chest. And that, that's kind of what I would relate it to. It's like, God, it's so fluffy, I think I'm going to die. And I start tearing up and I get a lump in my throat and I got to turn the Zoom video off for a minute because I don't want to have that ugly cry face there in front of everybody and, and lose my man card. <laughs> and I'll finally catch my breath, but I'm, I'm just going, thank you, God, for plugging me into a church that is on purpose for you. They're on mission. They're on point. They get it. On a personal level, um, in addition to the blessing of being on staff, I also um, I serve with a ministry called Family Home and Parenting. And we deal with folks who've made some questionable decision-making during their life. It typically involves some chemical addiction, uh, typically involves some criminal activity. Um, and basically, we come alongside of them, show them the love of Jesus and the, the gospel, and then try to help them rebuild their lives and get reconciled. Um, we pick up, you know, deal with folks off the street, also from rehabs, recovery homes, but our main focus is on the local county jails. And so 
I told you I was in the military, but I didn't really tell you what I did for a living. Um, if anybody's seen Top Gun Maverick, um, I used to fly fighter jets. So it's something like that, but not anything completely like that. So when people hear that in conversation, inevitably the question comes up because they see what I'm doing now and they're like, do you miss it? And in all honesty, you'll probably hear, see me pause and there'll be a smile that probably comes over my face and I'm thinking back to some of these events from my past like 2 o'clock in the morning over Belgrade pulling 9Gs. I got three missiles coming at me trying to kill me and I'm working multiple sensors and I'm timing out a missile back at these people that are trying to kill me. And in that couple seconds, this thing is starting to happen. This head is getting back to a place that it shouldn't be. That old pride wants to start scooting out. But the Holy Spirit is faithful. He's got a pretty sharp needle that goes... Because <laughs> he'll go, you remember that dude we met in jail five years ago? He thought his life was over. His uh, little kids blocked him on the phone. They didn't want to talk to him anymore. He's got no job, no house, no place to go. His own mom won't let him come by because she can't trust him to be in her house. And you remember how we walked alongside him? And even when he had to go off and be incarcerated for a time, we, we didn't give up on him. And now, five years later, he's married. He has a Christian wife. They serve in church. They're using their spiritual gifts to further the boundaries of God's kingdom. Those little kids are now teenagers that call him and say, Dad, can we hang out? Because they just they like to be around their dad. His mom calls him whenever she's got a problem to come help him do that. So if you've asked me that, and I paused, and that grin was there, and then it disappeared, that's because inside I'm going, it's so fluffy, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> and I get a teary-eyed, and my face will get serious because I'm fighting back that ugly cry face, and I got a lump in my throat, and I'm going, thank you, God, for giving me a purpose that has eternal significance and God's will would be for everybody in this room to be saying amen because you understand what I'm talking about that is that life and life to the full that Jesus talked about that he wanted us to be a part of don't settle for second best there is an abundant life that God wants for you So my goal today is to encourage and to challenge you a little bit so here comes some of that challenge I'm gonna go how you doing that's a question between you and God. How are you doing? Jesus was often pretty blunt. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I don't see a lot of room for wiggle room in there. Now, I've got to be very clear up front. We are not working to earn our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is very clear that it's for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus died on the cross. It starts and ends with that. That is where salvation comes from. Um, also, it has to be clear that we're not trying to earn God's love. Romans 8, 38 and 39 makes it very clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves us, period, not the end. I'm not trying to earn his love. But he does continue in Ephesians 2.10 and say that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
So I'm not earning salvation and I'm not earning love, but once I am saved, God expects me to get to work. He expects you to get in this fight. You're not supposed to be a spectator on the sidelines. And as we talk, this is a war. It's serious. This is for the eternal consequence of souls. There are no neutral Switzerlands in this fight. You are either on team death or you are on team life. So James 4.17 says, if you know what you should do and you don't do it, it's sin. So we've heard about your command today. We've heard about an order. James also talks about, you know, don't be hearers of the word but doers only. This is that application piece we start getting to. I have knowledge that I'm supposed to do this. Am I now willing to go out there and do that? And I often hear, well, I don't know enough. I, I don't know the Bible well enough. And I go, well, you know, I'm supposed to study to be a workman approved, and I can improve upon that. But even in the meantime, we were called to be a witness. That didn't say you were called to be a lawyer that's there to argue and look for loopholes in the law and try to... All a witness does on the witness stand is talk about what they saw heard. They share their experience, and that's what God expects us to do. It's okay to say, I don't know. I say, I don't know often. I'm like, let's go figure out the answer to that together. Don't let that be an excuse for you to share. Someone led you to the Lord. You can be able to turn around and say the same thing they did to you to help them. I also hear that I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Well, yes, we can't be living in open rebellion to what God has said, but none of us are perfect. I am not perfect by far. There's a young lady sitting in the second or third row over here that can list off a whole host of character defects I have off the top of her head because she's known me for 30-some years. But in spite of that, having a few flaws is actually making you relatable to other people. They have a hard time relating to somebody that's perfect because none of us are perfect. This next verse really had a huge impact on my life. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in the earthly body. You're familiar with the story of Jonah. God gave him a task. He rebelled, said, no way, I'm doing that, and tried to go the opposite direction, got on a ship, got thrown in the ocean, got swallowed by a whale, spent three days in the belly of that thing before he finally went, okay, I give up. I'll surrender to what you want me to do. And God had the fish put him back on the shore, and he went and did what God told him to do. My Jonah-type experience. Um, I was called to be in the ministry as a young child, and I had started to work towards that, and then I rebelled against that calling, and I wanted to go do this cool thing that I wanted to do. And I finally got to the place where my own bad decision-making not really dealing in a healthy way with some issues I was dealing with after leaving the military. And I found myself in solitary confinement for three days. Ten by eight foot concrete, no TV, no phone, no real human interaction. And God and I had it out for three days. And it started with me you know, just visceral angry toward God because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And he let me work all that and finally went, are you done yet? And then he spoke to me 
and said, if you want to keep going the way you're going, this is going to be your life. But I have something better for you if you're willing to give in. And so this verse kept bombarding me. And he's like, are you ready? Are you done? Do you want to stand before me now? Are you ready to turn in your test for your final grade? And I obviously could not and wouldn't, didn't want to. And so he said, okay, we're going to do something different now. So I want you to open your eyes and open your ears and look around you. And I felt him telling me, I'm, I'm going to show you what your mission field is. And so they let me out of solitary for the next seven days. I got to be back in general population, and I saw and heard a ministry field that was totally untapped. And God laid on my heart, this is what you're going to go do. And so when people ask me that question, I go, everything I did before in my life, like the Apostle Paul said, I consider it rubbish. I would not trade what I do now for anything in this world. Having a purpose that comes from God is priceless. I don't want to end on challenge. I want to encourage you a little bit before I stop today. We sang about this earlier today. That's six month old for amen. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. If you'll notice, this is past tense. Because they have defeated him. It's not that they will. They have defeated him. It starts and ends with the blood of the lamb. Only by Christ's sacrifice are we able to be reconciled back to the Father. But it also says it's by their testimony. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me on earth before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. That's the testimony part, that being his witness that we talked about earlier. And it also talks to... They didn't love their lives so much they weren't afraid to lose them. This kind of talking more to a physical sense, but it also applies in a spiritual sense. Am I willing to die to myself for that purpose that God has for me? So I'll leave you with, again, Jesus promised you an abundant life. It's an abundant life of blessing. That warm, fuzzy that I can't explain to you. That's the best I could do to try to describe it to you. But God wants that for each and every one of you. So as we look at what could be my next steps from here, and Pastor John get up here and ramble a little bit today. Maybe you need to enlist in the army of God. There's team death and there's team life. There's no neutral parties in this. You may not have realized that till today, but you may need to enlist in team life. Where are you at? Do you need to get in this fight? You've been cheering from the sidelines? Maybe it's time for you to get in this fight. Pastor Mike did a sermon series on spiritual gifts. It was just wonderful. If you missed it, you can go online and, and catch up on that. There's a test you can take to find out where your spiritual gifting is at. Find out what they are and get yourself plugged in on the dream team somewhere and, and, and start to serve. There's a whole world of hurting people around us right now between inflation and COVID and everything else going on. People are looking to see what is true. And just the smile on your face and the joy you have in reaction to some of the things that happen in your life can be a tremendous testimony to 
people. The last one I'll throw is to go and make disciples. It wasn't the great suggestion. It was the great commission. It was an order from your commander-in-chief. So if you're not in a life group, I would encourage you to get into one. You can start to become discipled and you can join in the discipling of those around you. Discipleship is really nothing more than having conversations where you can present what a biblical view is as we go through this life together. If you would, bow your heads with me as I kind of close today. I'm going to start with, uh, you need to get into the fight. You've been sitting on the sidelines. I believe God's working on some hearts here today that it's time for you to quit trying to play that neutral party. If that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out in any way. It's like, Lord, give me the courage to get into this fight. To those who think, I think I need to enlist in the army of God. It is time for me to finally commit. If that's you today, would you mind raising your hand? Again, I'm just wanting to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you in front of anybody. Thank you. If that is you, it's really just as simple as saying a prayer in your heart. You just reach out the hands of your heart. Lord Jesus, I know I've, I've messed up. I've sinned against you, and your your word tells me that the, the consequences of that are eternal separation from you. Your word is clear that uh, it's by faith that I'm saved. Jesus, I, I just ask you to come into my heart to forgive me. Help me to start living a life that honors you. I believe you died and rose again on the third day, and I have hope of eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.